from day 173 of Shaped by the Word, season two, the drama of scripture. And it certainly has been dramatic uh, to see you know, both the rise of David as a king and the decline of his kingdom and the intrigue in his family due largely to his sin, his unattentiveness to his, his sons, uh, inner battle and jealousy you know, that is going on uh, between him. When we come to Second Kings, we see you know, not only... Uh, you know the, the descent of David, or the, the latter moments of David, uh, but we see the ascent of Solomon, and uh, Solomon will certainly, like David, have have bright moments, but soon give way uh, to the you know the things that will be you know the heart of the destruction of the nation, the idolatry, and uh, an eye for wealth, an eye for luxury rather than an eye for serving the Lord. So we come to a place, and we kind of bled over yesterday. I read a little bit, a little bit too many verses. So we'll repeat those verses today for the sake of you who are following us in the app and could make that quick you know, trans, you know, transition. Uh, this is where David uh, does indeed make uh, his son Solomon the king, and, and the rest of the story will flow from the life of Solomon, both the sins of Solomon and, and, and the glory that Solomon is able uh, to bring on Israel for a very short time. 1 Kings 1, verse 28. Then King David said, Call in Bathsheba. So she came into the king's presence and stood before him. The king then took an oath, As surely as the Lord lives, who has delivered me out of every trouble, I will surely carry out this very day what I swore to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, Solomon your son, shall be king after me, and he will sit on my throne in my place. Bathsheba bowed down with her face to the ground, prostrating herself before the king, and said, May my Lord King David live forever. King David said, Call in Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Maniah son of Jehoiada. When they came before the king, he said to them, Take your Lord's servants with you, and have Solomon my son mount on my own mule, and take him down to Gibbon, Gihon. There have Zadok the priest, and Nathan the prophet anoint him king over Israel, blow the trumpet, and shout, Long live King Solomon. Then you go with him, and he is to come up and sit on my throne, and reign in my place. I have appointed him ruler over Israel and Judah. Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, answered the king, Amen. May the Lord, the God of my Lord, the king, so declare it. As the Lord was with my Lord the king, so he may I also be with Solomon to make his throne even greater than the throne of my Lord, King David. So Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, the Kirathites and the Pelathites went down and had Solomon uh, mount King David's mule, and they escorted him to Gion. Zadok the priest took the horn of oil from the sacred tent and anointed Solomon. Then they sounded the trumpet, and all the people shouted, Long live King Solomon! And all the people went out after him, playing pipes and rejoicing greatly, so that the ground shook with a sound. Adonijah and all the guests who were with him heard it as they were finishing their feast. On hearing the sound of the trumpet, Joab asked, What's the meaning of all the noise in the city? Even as he was speaking, Jonathan, son of Abiathar, Abiathar the priest, arrived. Adonijah said, Come in, a worthy man like you must bring, be bringing good news. Not at all, Jonathan answered. Our Lord King David has made Solomon the king. The king has sent with him Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaiah son of Jehoiada, the Kirathites and the Pelathites, and they have put him on the king's mule. And Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet have anointed him king at Gion. From there they have gone up cheering, and the city resounded with it. That's the noise you hear. Moreover, Solomon has taken his seat on the royal throne. Also, the royal officials have come uh, to congratulate our Lord King. 
David saying, may your God make Solomon's name even more famous than yours and his name greater than yours. And the king bowed in worship on his bed and said, praise be the Lord, the God of Israel, who has allowed my eyes to see a successor on my throne today. At this, all Adonijah's guests rose in alarm and dispersed. But Adonijah, in fear of Solomon, went and took hold of the horns of the altar. Then Solomon was told Adonijah is afraid of King Solomon and is clinging to the horns of the altar. He says, let King Solomon swear to me today uh, that he will not put his servant to death with a sword. Solomon replied, if he shows himself to be worthy, not a hair on his head will fall to the ground. But if evil is found in him, he will die. And King Solomon sent men, and they brought him down from the altar. And Adonijah came and bowed down to King Solomon. Solomon said, go to your home. So we have the first anointing of a king without chariots and 50 men running before them. All it took was, in this particular instance, was one mule, and that was the king's mule. And the guy had the right ride uh, you know, as, he, as, he came in, as, as he came into the city. And uh, so you have uh, you have the fulfillment of you know of, of of this promise, and you have the one you know one gracious act uh, of Solomon uh, sparing Adonijah. Adonijah would not prove faithful, so he later will be uh, will be executed at the hand of Solomon. So the the throne has finally come to a son of David, and the son of David. This will be the son of David who does build a physical house for David. There will be another son who comes after who builds a far greater in a spiritual house. And as much as the glory of the, the temple that Solomon will build will be boasted about, you know, among the nations, even more so the glory of the temple that Jesus is building in his people, you know, for his glory through the gospel uh, will be even greater glory to the nations and be boasted about. So what are some of the things that uh, you, you see in this? You have to love, uh, you know, how David describes uh, the Lord, the one who's got me out of every bit of trouble. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that is a lot of trouble. And, and of course, it's a reminder, you know, that uh, even though Scripture says our Lord is an ever-present help in time of need or in time of, you know, in time of trouble, mm-hmm. uh, for many of us, that's the only time we turn to the Lord when, when we are troubled rather than knowing His grace and knowing His heart. What are some of the other things that stick out in this passage? You know, verse 37, uh, as the Lord was with my Lord, the king, so may he be with Solomon to make his throne even greater than the throne of my Lord, King David. I mean, if, if we're talking mm-hmm. successors and David just appointing somebody, but the Lord does not is not with him, you, you can just sense, it, maybe, and maybe the people don't know it yet, but the people don't want that. You know, they, they recognize what, what was it that made David successful? What was it that made his throne great? It was that the Lord was with him. Um, and so in this transition, I mean, I, what a great statement. As the Lord was with my Lord, so may he be with Solomon to make his throne even greater. Yeah. I think of, even, um, you know, Moses when God's telling him, you know, ah, I'm done with these people. He pretty much says, I'm not going unless you go. You know, it, yeah, it, no, the Lord's not with us. You, you, and obviously there's you know, a little subtext. There are those who would claim the kingdom from himself and those to whom, you know, God chooses, mm-hmm. you, know, to, you know, chooses to give it. And, uh, you know, the folly of us, uh, asserting ourselves rather than receiving, you know, what God has given us. You know, there's a big text, you know, beneath this. Mm-hmm. One thing, and any time I kind of see some scripture, it always just makes me kind of pause and reflect on my own life and my own 
worship and, and my affections towards God. And you know, obviously with Solomon, he's, he's mounting the mule and, you know, he goes before the people and then they start shouting, long live King Solomon and all the people, verse 40, you know, went up after him, playing pipes, greatly rejoicing, set the ground shook, you know, from the sound. And, you know, just seeing this kind of heartfelt response to, to just King Solomon here, you know, and obviously knowing my own heart at times will get great, really excited about things that, or even for people or things, you know, that aren't really worthy of, of the greatly rejoicing or, or my ultimate affection. And so it always just makes me remember, like, man, we'll worship people all day, but man, there's obviously, when I think about it, there, there's Christ who is so much worthy of my, my worship and yet so often doesn't get my great rejoicing. Um, so it always just makes me reflect anytime I see things like that in scripture. Uh, you have to like verse 42. Even as he was speaking, and this is Adonai just speaking to his guests, enjoying the acclamation and enjoying his uh, Andy Warhol 15 minutes of fame uh, moment. Uh, even as he was speaking, Jonathan, son of Abiathar, the priest, arrived. Adonai just said, come in, a worthy man like you must be bringing good news. Things are going so well for me up to this point, and I'm sure you're here to congratulate me as well. Not at all jonathan answered mm. yeah. <laughs> quickly the guests disperse <laughs> yes <laughs> whoops wrong party wrong party where's my 50 men how, how things have changed how lucky i am to get an invite to the party Clean i wish i hadn't i wish i hadn't come <laughs> yeah no and that's a you know that's a sign of you know god's provision uh you know the horns at the altar were just you know raised edges you know that kind of resembled you know, horns, and, um, and and one could, you know, throw themselves at the mercy of God by clinging to his altar where his sacrifices are made. And so there's a rich innocence there, and that's what Adonijah does. It's probably hinted at in the text that had Adonijah fulfilled this, he would have executed Solomon. You know, Solomon's been uh, left out of this, and Bathsheba rightly suspects, you know, once you pass off the scene, and if Adonijah's king, my son and I will be considered criminals. Uh, and, and so you do see, you know, you do see a gracious act of, of Solomon yeah. and, uh, you know, forgiving one of his enemies. And, and of course, Adonijah will take that forgiveness for granted and assert himself mm. and ask for special, special favor, which would have, uh, you know, kind of signified a position higher than he, he really had and he will be executed. And I liked verse 31 where Bathsheba did bow down to David and then did say, May my Lord King David live forever, realizing. I mean, that's. I, I'm curious by the statement, but it is through, you know, the the line of David that, of course, Christ comes, yeah. the King that would rule forever. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's a very simple line. I, I'm sure there's so much there to unpack, but no, there is. You know, it's you know, and of course, the Davidic promise or the Davidic covenant uh, would be in your son. Uh, uh, and he will reign on the throne forever. Yeah. And, and of course, what David probably envisioned was a successive line of, mm-hmm. of kings. You know that you know came you know from his heritage. So this, and and obviously as Bathsheba says this, really what she's saying underneath her breath is, dude, you're not very long for this world. Mm-hmm. And so the greatness of earthly kings and the greatness of earthly kingdoms, you know, come, mm-hmm. 
come to nothing. But there will be one, and you love the way that uh, Daniel pictures him, mm-hmm. who who comes to the Ancient of Days, uh, you know, riding on the clouds and has conferred a kingdom, you know, that'll never end. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, that's also pictured in the Davidic covenant, and mm-hmm. it's a pointer. And, and we'll quickly see as we go through kings how disappointing these earthly mm-hmm. kings yeah. truly are, mm-hmm. and how truly remarkable uh, the coming king, mm-hmm. you know, re- you know, will be. I think it's helpful in, as we see this transition to just keep that Davidic covenant in the back of our minds. You know mm-hmm. that, yeah. You got promises on, you know, mm-hmm. you're, yeah, I will establish your kingdom. And, and we're seeing that, you know, no. but it's mm-hmm. and to not get too ahead of ourselves. You know, we're going to see mm-hmm. that Solomon's not going to be much better than David. Mm-hmm. If, if any greater, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, no, yeah. our, our factions will move, you know, far more toward David. And of course, as we work our way through the story, Israel's eyes will look past Solomon, uh, you know, back to David as the mm-hmm. sign of true greatness, you know, in, in the kingdom. And of course, they'll look forward to one who is mm-hmm. a Davidic, you know, like king, a king after, you know, God's own heart. And, and also, we should keep in mind all of our covenants as we, you know, move, you know, move through it uh, from the covenant of creation, you know, God's presence with us and our uh, creation in his image to uh, the Noahic covenant, God's promise not to to judge the entire earth until you know the appointed time and through the uh, you know, Abrahamic covenant that all of the nations of the earth will be blessed through one of his descendants Mosaic covenant uh, that uh, we will be God's people and he will walk among us and we will be to him a precious you know uh, possession and, and, and obviously the Davidic covenant uh, that we will one day have a king reigning on the throne of David who is Everything that uh, God envisions in kingship and uh, everything that we desire, everything that we need will be finally you know, fulfilled you know, fulfilled in him. So it is a story that is uh, you know, moving, moving along uh, at a kind of awkward pace. There, there's so many steps backward before we finally step into the fullness of, of God's promise, but it's every bit of it. And of course, part of being Reformed theology is we just have a big God theology that God is causing all things to work together toward the counsel of his will, and, and by virtue of that, causing all things to work together for our good because we love him and are called according mm-hmm. uh, to his purpose. Father, we thank you uh, for another week in your, your word uh, to read together, to learn together, uh, you know, to be together, to be in your presence. And Father, we pray that you would continue uh, to shape us by your word for your glory, for our joy, and for the sake of the nations. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.